how many dreamers do I have in the, in the house this morning? Dreamers, like legit dreamers. Like every time you open your mouth, everybody around you goes. Like how many of you? One, one more time, show of hands. Where all your friends are like, come on, man. That ain't gonna happen. You know that's not gonna happen. You know it's not. I believe dreaming is something that God made us uniquely able to do. I'm not talking about when your dog's laying on the floor quiver and you're like, oh, look, he's having a dream. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the ability to imagine something in the future, something that is not yet a current reality, but have a mind's eye about what it could look like in five years, 10 years, 20 years. Be able to to conceptualize something that nobody else has thought of. God made us uniquely able to do that. And then it's like, it's like if he made us uniquely able to do that, like a car that has the ability to drive fast. Can I get an amen for people like driving fast? No judgment here. Speed limits are recommendations. It's like a car with the ability to drive fast, but somebody has to put the fuel in it. Amen? Because a car with no fuel, no matter how, what the capability is of it, if it doesn't have any fuel, it's not going anywhere. So we have the capability of the dream, but the Holy Spirit puts the dreams in us. And so at the beginning of the year, I always like to think of like that. Like, God, put something in me that I haven't thought about yet. Like you do it. You've given me the capacity. So, so, so trigger something in my mind that I haven't thought about yet, that I haven't considered, that I haven't con- contemplated. Let, let me see it through your word. Let me see it through relationships you've given me. Let me see it through the church and through the other things that I do. Make it clear to me. So we're going to talk about that, um, the process of dreaming and what it, what it takes to dream, what it takes to see a dream fulfilled, what it takes when your dreams are crushed. Anybody, anybody know a dream crusher? Don't look beside you. Because the same people that raised their hands were sitting beside somebody that didn't. <laughs> I don't think I saw two hands go up in the same vicinity. So I pray, my prayer for this year is that all of you have a dream, that nobody is dreamless. We're going to talk about that just for a little bit this morning, but I want to give you some fuel for a dream today because I believe that part of dreaming is knowing the capacity that God put in you and going ahead and letting yourself experience it. Amen. So oftentimes what has happened in our past is fuel for dreams in the future. I can, I know I can trust him. So why wouldn't I go ahead and trust him for something I don't know about yet? Amen? So we're going to read from Genesis chapter 37. This is a famous portion of scripture about Joseph dreaming when he was young. So why don't you stand to your feet in honor of the word. We're going to read Genesis chapter 37. We'll start in verse 1. Talking about Joseph. Genesis chapter 37 verse 1. Say amen if you're ready. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhal and 
Zilpha, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Snitches get stitches. That is the um, rule of the kingdom. Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors, but when the his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I've dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field and behold, my sheep arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheep. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dream and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars are bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Lord, we pray in this season that you cause us to have dreams about what's possible in you. Thank you that you've created us to dream. So Lord, we look into your word today for instruction on it. Give us an appetite to know. And we thank you for the power it has to change us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Joseph was born... To Rachel and Jacob when Jacob was 91 years old. I thought grandkids were work. Uh, and in the Bible, doesn't mince any words. Joseph was Jacob's favorite uh, by his favorite wife. I know it's hard for us to conceptualize now, but back then, um, it's, the, it's the way it was. And he favored Joseph to the point that all the other brothers knew, made him special clothes. Now, I want to say there's been a lot of debate about Joseph in these early, early, um, the early texts of him being a young man. And it seems like he is snitching on his brothers. It seems like his relationship with his father might have been such that he had a little more freedom to talk about certain things. And there's been a lot of debate on whether Joseph was pompous and arrogant and and telling his, telling his dreams on purpose to make his brothers angry. The fact of the matter is, uh, Joseph did, it does seem tattled on his brothers and kind of reinforced them not liking him. Now, I will say this, he was pretty young. He's pretty young, and all of us, when we're young, do dumb stuff. Amen? Some of us more than others. So I think we should give Joseph a little slack. He's not an, he's not an old man who has already been through uh, prison and everything that he will face. Matter of fact, his demeanor is much different when he's older. He's not showing off in front of his brothers when they come to be rescued by him. But he's young. He's young. He's favored. He's got the robes to prove it. 
And now it doesn't say he asked for a dream. It said he just had a dream. So I have to believe that that God plays a little bit of part in, in him being ridiculed by his siblings. Now, it doesn't say that he had to tell them. If you're young in here, you don't have to say everything. Amen? Well, if you're old in here, you don't have to say anything either. I've heard some of you. Um, so he impetuously takes a dream that God had given him. Now, we fast forward all the way to the end. We find out the whole thing comes true. Every line of it comes true. But in his youth, he takes what God had given him and he kind of blabs it to his brothers. I'm not going to infer that he had joy in it or, or was getting his kicks telling his brothers that he's going to rule over them. I have an inkling of an idea that, that he may have realized what the dreams were about. He couldn't have never predicted how it would turn out. But one day, I'm going to be in charge of this whole deal. The younger would reign over all the other ones. That had to be an exciting dream for him. Not only once did he have the dream, he had another dream. And he told his dad about it, and his dad was even like, are you crazy, kid? So Joseph um, Joseph has these dreams. If you, if you fast forward to the end of them, we find out that they do come true. He goes through being... Um, thrown into a pit by his brothers. They faked his death, took some clothes back to his dad and said, hey, that wild animal's got him. And then they, then they sold him uh, into slavery. He works at a guy named Potiphar's house. God blesses him at Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife makes up a lie about him and gets him expelled from that house. And then he gets thrown into prison. He gets forgotten about in prison. And then through a series of events, him interpreting a dream. Isn't it ironic that the dreamer now has the ability to interpret dreams? Because sometimes when God, when you allow God to give you dreams, it makes it clear to help other people with dreams. Remember that. Remember that when you get annoyed by people that are dreaming. Maybe it's not so much about their dream. Maybe it's because you don't have one. Joseph knows what it's like to dream, so he gets in prison and he finds these two guys that, um, that have dreams and he, he helps them out with them. One doesn't work out very well. The other one's a pretty good story. He gets promoted, leads Egypt through a great famine, and um, ends up being reunited with his family in a miraculous way. And everything in his dreams come true. Everything in his dreams come true. I want to talk to you this morning just briefly about dreaming. And we're going to lean in this a lot more, but I want to, we're going to talk about dreaming for a bit. And then I want to take you back to 2022 and let you see all the things that God worked out in this church of 2022. And then I want to ask you to dream with me for the next year. Can we do that? You were created to dream. Even those of you who like to plan everything out, and can't stand spontaneity, and can't stand it if it's not your idea. I know who you are. You were created the dream. Now, I've told uh, this before. I have a reoccurring dream when I get stressed out a lot of times. Listen, I do this almost every Sunday of the year, uh, probably 45 Sundays a year, and um, and I still get nervous a little bit about it. I still get nervous that I, that I, that I study enough, that I, that I, 
put it together well enough? Will I be able to present it well enough? I still have a, but I have a reoccurring dream when I get really stressed out that I'm up here with no notes in my underwear, which is not good. Any public speaker has this dream. I don't know about the underwear part, but any public speaker has this dream where I I talk to people and they say, I show up and I don't have any notes. And it happens over and over again. And I'm running around the church or I'm somewhere else. I could be in Africa and I'm running around like, does anybody have my notes? And then I'm like, I don't know. What am I going to try? I'm not talking about that kind of dream. Although God did create us to be able to do that. Joseph had a dream about the future. Some definition of of a dream. A series of thoughts, images, or emotions occurring during sleep. A cherished aspiration or ambition or ideal. And the truth of the matter is both of those definitions can be true at the same time. Joseph has a dream of a future ambition. You can be laying in bed at night and have a dream about something. God gave you the ability to dream about something in the future. He gave you that ability, amen? He also gave the ability to, while you're awake, dream, conceptualize of of something in the future. There's no indication that Joseph was asking for a dream. There's no indication that he was like, Lord, make me the number one person to give me a dream. The, The text doesn't describe that. It just said Joseph had a dream. Here's the beautiful part. Sometimes God knows our capabilities and what he wants us to do in the future before we recognize it. And so we say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Then all of a sudden we're opening ourselves and say, Lord, show me what you would want me to do. And sometimes I would ask you to lean into it. Say, Lord, give me a dream about what this could look like. Not a Domino's pizza one o'clock in the morning dream. Not, not a eat too much garlic dream. But give me a dream about what my future could look like. Give me a dream of, of how I could serve you, Lord. That's what he did with Joseph. He gave him a dream. Now the Holy Spirit enables us to dream. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Acts chapter two, verse fourteen. After the day of after the. Holy Spirit had descended on the disciples on the day of Pentecost. Peter walks out and preaches and he quotes Joel. The prophet Joel, he says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you or give an ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I'll pour out my spirit, and they they shall prophesy. Peter's saying, in the last, if that was the last days, this is the last days. We're 2,000 years after that. And God's saying, I'll I'll pour out my spirit on all people. It doesn't have anything to do with, with, with your status. Or, or, your, or how much money you make. It has nothing to do with where you were born or what family you came from. I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. And he said, I'll give you the ability to conceptualize what I can do. Let your old men dream dreams and young men see visions. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to begin to see through God's eyes what's possible. Lord, show me what's possible. Not, not, what, I, not what I'm capable of but in you what I'm capable of. Amen? How many of you know that's two different things? 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without that, I may be able to do a few things. Probably not very well. What's possible when we see through God's eyes, when he gives us a dream. And then the beautiful thing is, the Holy Spirit comes around us then to, for us to accomplish the dream. So God created us with the ability to dream. Then God gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us the dream. And then he doesn't just drop the dream on us and say, hey, Buster, figure it out. No, he says, no, I'm going to come along beside you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll walk with you every step of this dream all the way to the fulfillment of it. And even on the day when it least likely seems even remotely possible, I will confirm it with my presence with you. Here's what I figured out. If God hasn't left you, the dream is still viable. Amen? If God hasn't left you, the dream's still viable. He's the one that keeps the promise. Joseph would ultimately go through every kind of trial and difficulty, and yet we still see the fulfillment of this dream. God had empowered and equipped him to persevere all the way to the end. In the most important times in your life, when you, when you think there's no possible way this could ever come true now, there's no possible way it could ever happen, that's when you lean in to God and say, hey, listen, you're still with me. I'm still holding out hope. The Holy Spirit now empowers us to persevere through every kind of trial and difficulty. Somebody who's been through it, say amen. So then we put ourselves in this place. Now that we know, see, I don't know that Joseph knew when he had the dream, but now we know, we know that God gives dreams. We know that he sustains dreams. We know that the Holy Spirit makes dreams come true. So now what do we do on this end? If we know, we should then what? We should ask. We should say, Lord, Lord, I'm reading that you gave that you gave Joseph a dream. I'm reading that you gave people dreams. I'm reading that you that you give him a glimpse into what's possible through you. Lord, I ask you to do that. Ask you in the monotony of life, Lord, in the, in the prospect of having to work another 20 years. God, in the, in the prospect of raising these kids. What if you gave me a dream? Parents of toddlers, listen to me. What if God gave you a dream about your kids? What if God gave you a dream about your spouse? What if God gave you a dream about the job that you're working at? What if he gave you a dream about some talent he's given you? What I'm finding out is that all we have to do is ask. Lord, show me what's possible now. Show me what's possible with you. We see it every day, don't we? Anybody remember before cell phones? I remember that. I think cell phones are a prime example that we don't know what's possible. Think about it. I remember, uh, I remember if you left the house, there was no expectation for you to check in. Boy, weren't those the days. Wow. Where you been all day? Work? Oh, okay. You didn't answer my text because we couldn't text. And everybody was happier. (laughs) 
That's so funny because there's not a person in the room or in Berkeley Springs or watching all over the world that would go, yeah, it was. Here's my phone. I don't want it back. The issue is we found out what was possible. We found out what was possible. It's crazy. We were sitting at dinner last night with some friends and um, something came up about like, hey, how far is Columbus away? Where was it? From Cincinnati, how, it was something was happening. How far is Columbus away from Cincinnati? There was six people at the table. And we were all like, well, we think it's about, to our credit, nobody had their cell phone out, did they? Nobody had their cell phone out. It was an old school dinner. <laughs> nobody had their cell phone out. And we were sitting there like, how far is, and, and it's like, well, maybe, I don't know, it's a couple hundred, probably less than a couple hundred miles. And somebody said, you know, we could get you to get our phone out and check. And they were like, nah. We'd rather guess. Technology in the last 20 years has shown us that almost, it seems like anything's possible, isn't it? It seems like anything's possible. You can FaceTime your grandkids. You can FaceTime your kids at college. You can, you can, fa- I can, I can FaceTime my wife from 7,000 miles away in Africa. And it's like, it's not like she's there, but it's like, you know, we're talking. All this technology is possible. And yet, the one place that we don't use that mentality is our relationship with God. But we've got scripture where it says he'll give us dreams. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your young men will have, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will have visions. And I'll do it all across the whole gamut of people. And we go, well, Lord, I don't know what's possible. And I think God's trying to tell us, listen, you don't, besides for me, you don't have the capacity to know what's possible. What if we started asking? What if 23 was a year that we just all went, God, show me what's possible. Show me what's possible in my life. Show me what's possible in my family. Show me what's possible in my career. Show me what's possible in you. Because I've been working off the assumption that I already know what's possible. I've been working off the assumption that what I'm seeing is only what's possible. And cell phones have proven that we don't know. I grew up dragging the phone from the living room into my bedroom to call a girlfriend. Anybody remember those days? Some of you were like calling the party line. So your neighbor was on the phone when you were talking to your girlfriend. I don't remember that. There's so many things that are happening around us that we never dreamed possible. And yet we hesitate to ask God to show us what could be. Lord, give me a glimpse of what could be. And let me work towards that. Paul had that mentality. He talks about it in Philippians chapter 2. Not that I've already obtained all this or it's already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. I got to fear this. I got to keep pressing because Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, forgetting what I know, straining for what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal. All this stuff that I know back here doesn't mean anything because knowing him more is what matters. So he strains towards it. So a side of the church, healthy church, is that we're constantly going, like, Lord, show me what could happen. Show me what's possible. 
A healthy church doesn't sit around and fret about circumstances in our community or our country. Oh, Lord, I don't know what's happening. Why don't you come quickly and get us out of all this mess? Lord, show me what's possible. Show me in the midst of chaos what you can do. Give me a dream to change something. Give me a dream to change a life. Give me a dream to raise my family different than anyone ever has in my family. Give me a dream, Lord, to change the dynamics of my family tree. Give me a dream, Lord. Amen? 2023. I want to try to inspire you with some things that, um, these are church things. But, I'll make a confession here that even in the church, sometimes I don't dream big enough. Um, I'll tell you a funny story here in a second about that. But I want to give you a look back into 2022 and all the things that God made possible that should spur us into thinking different in 2023. Are you ready? I think they're going to put some these things on, this, on the screen back here so you can see. There's some things we count in church because you have to count to see if things are working. Like we count, we count how many people show up. We count money. We count baptisms. We count baby dedications. We count all kinds of stuff. And you compare and you contrast. And you see if you've grown and things like that. So 2022 was a little bit of a weird um, Thing, if I could preface it, because because anybody remember 2019? Anybody remember that normal year? 2019 was amazing. So 2019, everything was normal. I mean, as normal as it could be. Everything was normal. And I remember going into 2020 thinking, God, we had, we had finished this building in April of 2019, and it was like, sky's the limit. Lord, you're amazing. This is awesome. You're like, you've blessed us. And then March of 2020, we went, are you kidding me? We did our one-year anniversary with nobody in the building, preaching online, and we did that for, what, three months? All right. And then 2021, things got a little better. Amen? About midway through the year 2021, the mass mandate was lifted. And we're like, whoa, finally, we can breathe again. And then 2022 seemed to be back to normal, except we had this massive high inflation, all this stuff, gas prices. I drive a diesel truck. I'm praying every day, Lord, show me what's possible. (laughs) So I want to, I thought it would be helpful to compare where we are to the last time it was normal. Do you think that would be a good idea, wouldn't it? To compare where we are to the last time it was, it was normal. So I'm going to, they're going to put a slide up. Do you, do you have that? They're going to put a little graph up, a line chart. I started looking at national trends of church attendance, national trends. This is all across the United States, national trends of church attendance. Do you know that In, I think it was September of 2020, 
when they started allowing us to come back together. In September of 2020, the national average of church attendance in September of 2020 was, was 63% of it wasn't what it was in 2019. So just one year earlier, in September of 2020, when they allowed us to start meeting again, only 63% of people came back. That was totally, I understand. People were still scared. Totally understand that it was like, oh man, I don't know. People are dying. What are they going to make us wear masks, not wear masks, vaccinations, whatever. It was all, it was all big jumbled mess, 63%. Then what happens is in August 21, it went up to 73%. So August of 21, the national average of a church attendance was only 73% of what it was in 2019. And then when you jump all the way to August of this past year, 2020, it was only 85%. 85% of people. So think about this. In August of 2022, the national average for people that returned to church was only 85% of what it was in 2019. That is not good. That means 15% of people went, I don't need this anymore. Now, church attendance wasn't skyrocketing before that. 85% of churches before COVID were plateaued or declining. They were either flatlined or going downhill before COVID. Now, after COVID, out of all the churches, only 85% of people have gone back even after 2022. That's, that represents that bottom line there. The top line is the attendance at this church. That, yeah. So in September of 2020, we had 88% of people come back. In August, the same time of 2021, we had 113%. By the way, did you know we planted a church in Berkeley Springs in February of 2021. So with Berkeley Springs and this campus, we, we grew to 113% of what we were in, in 2019. And then if you go to September of this year, we were at 120% over what we were in 2019. That's incredible. I got nervous a little bit. I like numbers. My wife will tell you I like numbers. I like counting them my way. Um, So I do them in my head. Uh, I got nervous a little bit about our Hedgesville campus because I thought, man, something happened. It's not, it didn't grow. Like, I thought we grew faster than that. And and what I realized was in February of 2021, we gave 65 people to Berkeley Springs. In 20, the end of 2022, we had made up all those 65 people and grew here in this campus. And so that's a remarkable thing when the church trend is not to even get back to what you were before 2019. Does that, do you understand what I'm saying? So that's a remarkable thing. So, so that speaks to this, number one. It speaks to the fact that you're inviting people to church. Amen? That, that you're part of the family enough to go, hey, why don't you come out? Uh, there's this uh, idiot that stands up in front of us every Sunday and does a something. And uh, why don't you come out and check it out? The worship's pretty good. But it's, the Holy Spirit has impacted us enough to go out to other people and say, hey, would you consider coming to church on Sunday morning? 
Would you consider spending a couple hours in God's presence on a Sunday morning? It's an important thing to me. I just want to invite you out. You're doing that. The online church is growing. We had about 46,000 downloads this year from the podcast. I try to tell my kids, I'm a big deal. They don't believe it. They're like, Dad, we know seven-year-olds that have more downloads than that. I said, just give me a, just give me a little. The on-demand stream was downloaded 33 states, 23 countries this past year. It really is Hope Community Church far and wide all over the world. Can I talk to you about generosity a little bit? Since 2019, the trend for churches in a lot of areas was um, that their giving decreased. They had to lay off people, had to do all these adjustments. General tithes and offerings here at this church went up 85% since 2019. That's... Listen to this. Our missions giving, the amount we give away to, do, to see ministry happen all over the world, was this year $260,649,000 this year in 2022. That was a 97% increase over 2021. That was crazy. Now listen, since we're going back to pre-COVID, because that's what we're comparing to. Since 2019, it's, it's a 290% increase since 2019. So we, we're giving away almost three times as much money as we did in 2019. That's insane. Giving it away. Saying, God, we want the gospel to go forward far and wide. I just want to share with you kind of the, the breakdown of the budget and how we're able to do this. So there's another slide coming up in 2022. The national, talking about, I'm, I'm just getting the weeds a little bit. Do you mind? T- talking about, we, we have a staff here that we pay. We have, pe- we have people to clean the church. We have, we have, we have um, finance and all kinds of stuff that, that work here. We have people that work in Berkeley Springs. So in 2022, the national payroll trend was that 49% of a church budget would go to payroll. That's a national trend. Here at Hope Community Church, there's only 39% of our budget that goes to payroll. And boy, we are poor. I'm just, no. To run this building, we only spend 11% of our budget to run this building. Last year, we spent $16,000 appreciating volunteers. I think that's a big deal. It's in our budget. Last year, we started a project. Many of you won't even know this exists yet. Last year, we started a project that we started doing free CPR classes here in the church to safety team members and kids workers. We actually purchased the CPR dummies to make that happen. I feel bad calling them dummies. They don't have a choice in it. Um, we actually made the purchase and, and uh, um, the executive team member, Joe Hatcher of our safety team, got certified to, he's a fire firefighter, Fort Detrick Fire Department. If you're at work today, Joe, thank you. Uh, certified to, to teach CPR at first aid. We have other people in the church that are certified to teach it. And so I said, like, what do we got to do, man? Let's, let's get the dummies together. <laughs> Just order them. Orderadummy.com. I don't know how that works. Um, 
we got them. Now listen to me. Now listen to me. God does things with, with God's capacity to do things way out, out extends our capacity. So I think in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we're going we're gonna to give free CPR classes. We're going to train people in our kids department and the safety team, whoever the church wants it, and, and we'll figure this out. And, and what ended up happening at right before Christmas time is we had a couple people in the church that were transitioning out of jobs into a new job. And it was a crisis time in their life and they had to get another job. And that job required CPR training. And this church was able to provide free CPR training so they get a different job. Isn't that crazy? You say, why does the church provide CPR classes? Give me a good reason why we shouldn't. We baptized 38 people this year. We dedicated 15 babies. You keep you, you people keep having babies. We have a volunteer participation rate here at Hedgesville. 42% of the people that attend volunteer. Come on, we can make that better, couldn't we? 42%. Listen to this. In Berkeley Springs, 68% of the people that attend volunteer. That's crazy. Berkeley Springs. Easter of 2022 was our most attended service Sunday ever. Almost 1,100 people in attendance. We did a thing for the first time last year. We called it Closer Weekends. We're about eight times out of the year. We, we met together in intimate groups, about 10 couples. We had 57 couples that participated in that. During Christmas, we had 108 volunteers serving in, in, uh, in different capacities of serving through the seasons. We sang Christmas carols, visited, uh, visited nursing homes, gave away real Christmas trees, um, did the thing in Berkeley Springs, the Cocoa Crawl, which is a non-alcoholic event. One of the most amazing things that happened was 87, this is the number that we could actually attach to it. I think it was more than this. We provided gifts for 87 families this year at Christmas. And when I say provided gifts, I want to get on the list. Because you people brought bags in and I thought, really? This is crazy. We had offices downstairs that were packed with giant bags that that if the kid wrote down, I want this, you bought it. It was crazy. I had somebody message me just the other day on Facebook and said, you have no idea what this means to us. You gave, you participated, and you made things possible that, that, that nobody dreamed possible. You kept people's houses heated during that really hard, cold snap. You, you just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. Sometimes I get to the end of the year and I go, God, you like, like I didn't anticipate you do all that stuff. That was crazy. That was crazy, Lord. Help me to believe better. Help me to believe farther. Amen. So do you mind looking into the future a little bit with me? 2023. We're changing our vision here at Hope Community Church, not because it's bad, just because we're going to, Focus it a little bit. And it's just simply this, moving people closer to God. That's all we want to do. So if you're far away from God this morning, 
you're watching online, you're sitting here. I'm hoping today moves you a little closer to him. I'm hoping it, I'm hoping it challenges you to start a relationship with him. We want to... We want to see that happen. We want to see you move closer to God. If you've been serving God 50 years, trust me when I tell you, you can move closer. You can move closer. If you're, if you're right in the middle of raising teenagers, you need to move closer to God. Teenager, if you're trying to figure out your life, if you're trying to make some important decisions, if you're getting ready to go to college, college student, if you're getting ready, if you're, you're trying to figure out what you're going to major in, the best thing you can do right now is move closer to God. The best thing you can do is say, God, like, oh, the whole world's laid out in front of me, Lord. I need some direction here. And he's faithful to direct your steps. So how do we do that? We do that by having these Sunday morning services where we gather together and worship and lean into his word, let him challenge us. We do it through ministering to kids and youth. We do it through our serving teams. We do it through connect groups. We do it through missions, taking missions trips. So just moving people closer to God over and over and over again. Put the picture in your head that the whole church just moving closer to Christ. Something else that we haven't talked about here that I am unbelievably excited about. And uh, we're trying to work out all the logistics of how it was going to work. But in 2023, we're launching a thing called Hope Community Biblical Counseling Center. As a pastor, my phone rings nonstop with people who need help. I'm not a counselor. I tell everybody that that comes and talks to me. And at the end of an hour, they go. Thanks for the warning. I've got a new tactic now. I, I, I tell them my job is to scare you to, into going and getting a counselor. <laughs> I'm really good at that. I'm not a counselor. Um, I'll just be transparent with you. I get super frustrated. I'm like, we've met three times. I give you three points and you haven't done any of them. I don't know what else to do. But if you go to somebody that does know, I think you can get help. Here's the problem. Anybody that's counseling or doing psychology work in the building will reaffirm this a hundred times over. I call or I tell them, here's people that I would call. And I've had people this year call me back and say, I'm 50 on a waiting list. It'll be two to four months before I can get in. Licensed counselors are working as they could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week and not meet everybody. There is a crisis in our community of people that need somebody to talk to and need somebody to walk them biblically through, through mental health issues. There is a crisis. Some people just need a conversation. Other people need somebody to walk with them and walk with them. And, and I'm looking at the church going, God, how can we make this happen? How can we step into a gap that is so big? People, are, people aren't just, they're, they're careening because of it. So my, my first move, I, I don't know anything about it. I don't know how to do it. About halfway through last year, I think, I texted um, just a wonderful human being, Rachel Burke. She's sitting in the back back there. She's a, yeah, give her a clap. She's a clinical psychologist, and um, 
Anytime I try to say something smart and she's sitting in the room, I'm like, oh, man, she's going to get me. Um, I texted her and said, Rachel, if we wanted to do this, how would we do it? Would you be a part of helping develop this thing? So the last three or four, four or five months, really, we've sat down, um, created training, the whole nine yards, because I believe sitting right in this building right now at this very moment, God has put in some of you, not all, some of you are like me, you should stay far away from it. But there's others of you that God has put the unique ability established by the Holy Spirit in you to walk people through difficult times in their lives. He's given you that gift and all you need is a little training. And so in 2023, in the fall of 2023, we're going to have half of the social hall in the basement built out just for a counseling wing. And we're going to start training people on, 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 to be certified and accredited biblical counselors. Not a joke. This isn't, this isn't, um, this isn't a, like watch a 30-minute video and sit you in front. Of, this is a legit, legit ministry opportunity to minister to our community. Not just church people, but whoever comes. Amen? And so I'm asking you to dream big. If God's put that in your heart a little bit, maybe this is a, maybe this is a light bulb that goes off like, God, finally there's something here in this church that you've created me to be a part of. And so I pray that you lean into that. You'll be, you'll be seeing more come about that here in a, here in a bit. We're going to be taking mission trips to Belgium, Guatemala, I think Alaska as well. This year, hope works all throughout our community. And something that just happened at the end of the year that I want to close with. I want to tell you a little story. I want to go back to 2017, if you don't mind. In 2017, I had been, in 20, the November of 2016, I became lead pastor. Pastor Don um, had done a beautiful job, handed the reins over to me, and then went. Um, but he stuck around to watch the show. So what happens is we already had it planned. Him and I and the team had already had a plan. We're going to start a capital campaign in 2017. To, to build a new building. And so what happens is we um, <laughs> talk, about, talk about a dreamer. I said, Lord, if we could raise $100,000 to build this building, I think we could pull it off. And God's like, kid, we ended up raising like $470,000. The building was built ahead of schedule, under budget. The whole It was just a miraculous story, a miraculous story. The building you're sitting in right now. So here's what we did. We, we, we took out a mortgage for 20 years, amortized over 20 years. The rate was fixed for five years. It's a very common commercial loan. Rate was fixed for five years. It was fixed at a very good rate for five, 5% for five years. That sounds really good right now, doesn't it? Guess what you're not getting now? You're not getting 5%. You're not getting 5% for 30 seconds. So the interest rates have climbed and climbed and climbed and climbed. So here's where we found ourselves. We're, we're like, we're trusting God. We're only spending 11% of our budget on this building. That includes the mortgage. So we're like, God, you got us in a really great spot. I'm so thankful. But I knew in 2024 that the mortgage was going to adjust. So back up again to 2019. In 2019, uh, some friends of ours uh, actually, they're sitting right there, Mike and Brenda Phillips, so friends of ours. Uh, 
to be truthful with you, Mike's truck broke down in Winchester, in, in, in Virginia, and I went to pick him up. That's how this story started. I went to pick him up. And so I drive down to Woodstock, Virginia, and I tow him back. And, and he says, hey, my wife, Brenda, is doing a, a remodel design for a gentleman named Frank. I need you to just take me. That's where she is. Just take me to his house. I'll introduce you to him. So I walk in. Um, we walk into his house, and uh, you'd have to know Frank. I walk into his house. Mike introduces me as a pastor, and Frank says, it'll be a cold day in hell before I show up in church. And I just went, all right. I said, well, if you do, Mike will take you out to lunch. I think that's how it went. And so um, so Frank was not in the greatest of health. He had COPD. He had some health issues. Fortunately, he had made friends with Mike and Brenda, and they were just wonderful to him, took care of him, basically. So... um, Easter of Easter of 2018, Easter of 2018, we were still in the school over here. Easter of 2018, I walk into the, to the school for church, Easter Sunday morning, and who is sitting in there but Frank? So as any good pastor would do, I walked up to him and said, Frank, man, hell is frozen solid over. It is crazy today. So he thought that was, he thought that was neat. He thought that was neat. Hold on a second, hold on a second. He thought that was really neat. We moved into the building in April, this building, a week before Easter. And then I think it was July 4th weekend, around July 4th, we had a baptismal service outside. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but there's a picture of it coming up. We baptized Frank Fisher right out here uh, in the thing. It was a good day. If you got that picture, put it up. You never know who God is going to let you meet. You never know who God's going to let you meet. You just don't. So Frank invited me to breakfast um, about a year and a half ago, really. And Frank said, Chris, uh, I'm redoing my will. I think he knew. He was struggling. He said, I'm redoing my will. And I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I'm going to leave a quarter of whatever's left to your church. And then there's a church in Williamsport. And he just looked at me and said, you think that's a good idea? And I went, nah. No, I said, Frank, any time you can advance the gospel past you breathing is a wonderful idea. Any time you can advance the gospel past your life is a godly thing to do. And he just looked at me and said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I never checked. I never went back and made sure. Frank Fisher passed away a little over a year ago now. He was a character. He wasn't sanctified all the way. But I believe he loved Jesus. So the reason I tell you that whole story is, uh, remember that whole mortgage thing? Remember me back in 2017 thinking, God, if we could raise $100,000, man, this would be unbelievable. I think in September, we got a a notification from the bank that we need to fill out some tax paperwork because the Frank Fisher estate was going to be, they were going to be closing it, wrapping it up. And then Donna walks in my office uh, in December and lays a check down on on my desk for $307,000. 
So, um, so what we did this year was, at the end of De- at the end of December, we put another ninety three thousand dollars with it, and we made a four hundred thousand dollar payment on the church mortgage. That is crazy. But that's not the end of the story. So what I came to find out was the Fisher Estate is not all the way closed out yet. You know, you got to pay taxes and all that stuff and all that. So um, we're going to be getting another check for about the same amount in 2023. And we're planning on putting another $400,000 on the mortgage. So remember the guy that didn't dream very much back in 2017, Lord, if we could just raise $100,000, we could build this building. Well, the truth of the matter is before five years is up, we'll have a million $80,000 mortgage paid off. That's crazy, isn't it? That's crazy. So why don't you stand to your feet? We got to close this out. So here's what I want you to do. I'll be the first one to admit, I don't trust God all the way as much as I should. But it's moments like this where I go, Lord, help me trust you more. Help me dream more. Help me think bigger than what, than what I'm thinking currently. Help me go past what I believe currently. Put a dream. Let me dream something tonight, Lord, that I couldn't do on my own. Amen. And I want you, I want everybody in the room to dream like that this week. To say, God, put something in me that I can never accomplish by myself. But with your Holy Spirit and the people you put around me, Lord, it's possible. So, Lord, we pray that way. Help us to be dreamers, not just church attenders, but dreamers, Lord. Fill us with your Spirit today. Let us see visions and dream dreams, Lord, about what you would have for us. And let us forget what's behind and charge towards that dream, Lord. And we know, God, that at the end of the day, you're the one that makes it all happen. You're the one that introduces us. You're the one that brings us through the difficulty. And you're the one that supplies all of our needs. We thank you for it, Lord. And we are counting on you to keep your part. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, could you give him honor and glory this morning? He's good.